Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm Brett Rutherford, joined, as always, by Darby Robinson. Darby, first off-season pod for us. Uh, the Rangers have taken down the Arizona Diamondbacks, just like, like everyone predicted. Four games to one in the World Series. Um, two things. It was really cool watching the Diamondbacks win the National League pennant. Um, seeing Evan Longoria play in the Fall Classic, even though I'm sorry, Evan, it just didn't. It wasn't the same. It was. It was kind of. He did have like a big double, I think, in the, maybe their the only win of the series. I was just waiting on him to like turn on a pitch and yeah. yeah. but it wasn't in the cards. Yeah, it's a little different than when he was uh, his first time in the World Series, but um, it was so good to see him there. It was Arizona. It was a very fun run. I also just enjoyed the um, uh, meltdown from like the worst baseball take havers about the Diamondbacks and the Rangers making it, and like somehow that's awful for the sport and whatnot. Like, I, I, why, why does anybody besides like Rob Manfred and an MLB executive give any care or thought to the ratings? Like that doesn't affect anything. MLB's not folding they're not no. going out of business they're doing incredibly well the, they're fine so like oh these are the lowest uh rated world series in who cares who cares did you have fun watching it what i did i who yeah. cares and Nobody regular season regular season ratings were through the roof this year everything else yeah. was great world series was down it's a little the, bit it's this constant thing and it's like this weird it's the word it's like one of the dumbest fan things that I will always think less of people when they do, where and they're like, "Great!" Now it's like, "This is gonna be, this is gonna be." I'm sure MLB is super happy about having that team make it. It's like, who cares? Like, it's like always like a diss, right? You know, as Rays fans, obviously we always get it because, you know, the Rays are that. Like, so like a Yankees fan or a Boston fan is gonna be like, "Them making it will be like bad for business." It's like it's not your business. You yeah. don't have stock. You don't make money, man. Why do you care? 
So like, I love seeing like Arizona do it. I love seeing the Rangers do it. I think that stuff though, really showcases. It really underlines how like all season you have people talking about how like just crown Atlanta already. And that became sort of the joke, right? I, I, I made that joke too. They were, they were steamrolling everybody. Amazing team. And they should feel happy about like, what a great regular season that was. Cause that's the long grind. Like that is mm-hmm. impressive, but that's the thing with baseball though, that always is there. It's like you, you can assemble a juggernaut. You can assemble the Seattle Mariners winning 116 games and losing in the ALCS. You can see the, the Braves, the Dodgers have one world series win. The Astros have two, despite going to the ALCS every year that they're in it. Like, and that sort of showcases like the Braves, the Dodgers, the Astros. They don't have a World Series every year because the MLB postseason is its own special little tournament. And yeah, the Diamondbacks absolutely could go to the World Series despite winning fewer games than like the Seattle Mariners who didn't make the postseason or yeah. fewer games than the Astros who made it to the ALCS again. Or the Atlanta Braves, who steamrolled everybody, they they don't make it on. So the Atlanta Braves, who won a World Series two years ago, having won like eighty six or eighty seven games, right? So it's like the Braves were actually better when they were bad, <laughs> and now that they're good, terrible. It's like you can't do it. It's just the way the postseason goes, right? And I think this is where we 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 talked about it a little bit with the Rays. And the the consternation of like this team that played well got hurt and they go to the postseason and then they they lost two games, bam, to the eventual World Series champs and the Rangers. Seems like just maybe a bad draw there, just a team of destiny. Uh, but like we make this huge like afterwards. I think the postseason leads to these hot takes of everybody being like, okay, how do you fix this? How do you fix it to win in the postseason? Like this team is not built for the postseason. This team is not built for the postseason. That's like we hear all that time, right? Mm-hmm. What is being built for the postseason? Like the, yeah. Yeah, pitching it, and home runs. Pitching and home runs is pretty much it. Like that's if you looked at one map, but it's really the Atlanta Braves off. were the best home run hitting team of all time with great pitching. Yeah. But you have to hit home runs. You have to pitch, but really you just got to do them at the same time. <laughs> in the same few weeks yeah like if you get cold you lose Mm -hmm. period that's it like that's that's how it goes like the baltimore orioles won a ton of games the most in the american league they got steamrolled by the rangers absolute slaughterhouse the astros beat the rangers to win the division and then the rangers were able to take take it to them and win in a very tight, fun series. The Phillies became the hottest team and the most impressive team in the National League this postseason over the Dodgers, over the Braves. But then for two games at their house, at the the loud and crazy Citizens Bank Park, they stopped hitting. And Mm -hmm. those home runs didn't fly. They lose. They lose because they got shut out by the Diamondbacks who have a very, you know, their pitching was pretty thin and their bullpen performed really well. That's the other thing is the, the Diamondbacks bullpen and the, the Rangers bullpen like surged late 
but those were two bad. Those were pretty mediocre bullpens. The Rangers historically bad bullpen. And, but like Josh Spores, who had like a six ERA during the regular season was nails for them. Yeah. He was lights out. And that's just, that's the fun thing with the postseason is you really cannot predict it. So it's madness when we, we go into this and go like, okay, this, this two game series or this three game series, what can we draw from this? You can draw nothing. Mm-hmm. You can draw almost nothing. And, and the thing is, is oh, the other argument was that, well, baseball's made the postseason too big. Everyone gets in now. I mean, the Rangers were in a tie for their division at 90 wins. Um, we've seen divi- like the 06 Cardinals when it was an 18 postseason at 83 wins and won the World Series. And we've, we've seen these teams with sub 90 t- wins get into the postseason like almost every year there's one just depending on which yeah. league is a little stronger. The Diamondbacks... The Marlins did it twice. Yeah, the, the Diamondbacks would, yeah. would have been tied for the second wild card with Miami. They were they were the next teams, and they, they both got in because of that. Um, so the Diamondbacks would have had to play a game 163 in the old format, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not like they would have been out of the postseason completely. And even though I'm a fan of... I loved the eight-team format, um, mm-hmm. 10, I thought was interesting. Um, it re- 10 really emphasized winning your division or else you had to play a winner, like a, a truly random event, the wild yes. card game, which created a lot of fun. Um, but it said, that, you know, if you don't want to play in this game, you better win your division. Now things have changed a little bit. I don't love it, but I, I yeah. still, I still enjoyed the post watching the postseason games a lot. There was a lot more of it. Um, a lot more afternoon games. There's always going to be afternoon games in the baseball postseason. Um, but yeah, it is what it like. And, and it was, it's one year, guys. Like it's, it's just been one year. If five years from now, the teams that get the buy and miss the first round and have to take a few days off, if they are missing, if, if they're getting eliminated at like a 65, 70% clip, I'll say, okay, maybe we need to look into rewarding these teams in a different way uh, in the postseason. But for now, it's just, it. I think it'll be enjoyable. Like it, it, It's not what I prefer. Like I said, I'd prefer to see contraction. That will never, ever happen. In fact, I it think won't. we're headed to, towards 16 teams once Major League Baseball expands and realigns. I think that's, that's in the cards. Um, I think so. And it, maybe the American and National League stay the same, but you see some different divisions. I don't know. We'll see. But any other final thoughts on, on the postseason? Like, do you, do you feel better now about the Rays' exit after seeing what the Rangers did to every other team and every other team on the road? Right. Yeah. They they uh somebody somebody had a fun tweet where they they beat the the Rays, the Orioles, the Astros, and the Diamondbacks, which spell out road. They yeah. were just a road champion. Um, does, do I feel better? I don't think I feel better in the sense that I I I hate that the narratives of like this the team not being able to score and whatnot is, is still there. So it builds this pressure to next year, even though it really shouldn't. I just don't like that those narratives are there. But I do think it. You look at this and you look at the the Rangers, and it's not like you lose losing to a fluke, um, a team that like wasn't very good would feel bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we all thought that the Rangers weren't bad. Uh, Losing I think to the Guardians think, hurt way worse last year. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's the thing. It's like a team where you're like, this, we are better than this team. It's flat out. 
You know, I think that is probably harder to take. I do think if you lose, if a team loses to the eventual World Series champs, you almost have to go like, well, this might not, this might not have been something that like you can avoid. Like this just, this might be just their year. And maybe if you had a different draw or whatnot, but like the, the Rangers, I mean, Nathan, he was hurt, you know, and he was coming back and he was not sharp during the last few starts of the regular season, but in the postseason, he was incredible. So the fact that the Rays got shoved around by Nathan Avaldi, if he was the bad Nathan Avaldi that was hurt during the regular season and you get shoved around, you go, what's wrong with this offense? He was just not, he, he got right. And he is a big time, big game postseason pitcher. Uh, he, he looked great. So like you go, wow. Okay. J- Jordan Montgomery came through, he, he pitched an incredible postseason. So like yeah. you got beat by two just guys who, who beat great teams. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of go, okay, is the offense the bad or did you just get shoved around by two guys that just were on their game and the Rangers offense? I mean, for the most part, <laughs> like the Rays, you know, pitched them pretty well like Corey Seager and Adolis Garcia were inhuman and they were good in the Rays series but they became great in every yeah. other series I mean Adolis Garcia against the Astros was like what what a, what a performance I uh, like I say he reminds me of 2020 Randy his best friend but he might have been better I mean it, it, it was unreal it's it's got to be fun for Cardinals fans that you <laughs> gave away a electric Cuban outfielder who lit October on fire and you did it again twice. Could, could you imagine though, if those two were on the same team? Wow. Incredible. Yeah. How cool would that be? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, and then, and then over in the Diamondbacks, the Tommy Pham doing well, mm. just the best, the best position to be is a former Cardinals outfielder. Uh, did did you want to talk about um, uh, Ryan Thompson being like one of the bigger figures <laughs> of this entire postseason? It's and that's okay. That's the other thing that I will say. Right, I, I I've made a lot of jokes at Ryan Thompson's expense. Uh, it was fun to see. I actually enjoyed watching him play pitch really well. But it is it is crazy though, right? Like Ryan Thompson becomes like a shutdown reliever because that's, that's the reliever thing, right? Is you are talking about five games. Mm -hmm. Basically it makes your postseason. And Ryan Thompson has been great over five game stretches before. Yeah. But like also the next five games could have been the worst five games you've ever seen in your life. But that's, what's, that's, what's fun with the postseason is you can become like a legend because of those, those stretches. I mean, it became so much to the so that people were like losing their minds about like taking out, uh, like, like they're like, why you have Ryan Thompson ready? Why aren't you going to him? And it's like, <laughs> are we, oh my God, we're talking about like Kevin Ginkle is like, you, if you don't get Ginkle in, you're going to be ruined. It's like the guy got demoted in June and now he is like, he is the, the new Zach Britton in the, in the bullpen. Yeah. Like if you don't get it, like you're leaving them in the, in the board, like got to get Josh spores in and this game will be locked down. And it's like, it's funny yeah. how postseason narratives will, will shift where it's like, okay, we got Jordan Montgomery on the mound. We're good. We got this. It's over. And there, there was it, a time. Fun about postseason. Yeah, definitely. There was a time this summer that 
Ryan Thompson entering the game for the Rays was a good time for me to like get some stuff down around the house, just turn the game off. I don't want to watch. And then now he was pitching big innings uh, in the postseason. Did you see the meme? Uh, there's been a couple variations where it's like Kevin Cash crying, and it's <laughs> the this next batter's X wo but projected X wo is is going up. 30 points because he's facing this pitcher with this arm slot. And then it's like Tori Lovello uh, say it's time for Paul Sewell to pitch. LOL. <laughs> yes. That, that was the makeup. Uh, they, the uh, diamondbacks adopted that after Paul Sewell went to them. Cause that was yeah. the original was the uh, Scott service was mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then, you know, and that's the thing about Paul Sewell, absolute money. And then yeah. last one gets lit up. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing I want to just mention is this World Series and postseason. All right. I get it. Everybody is going to try to bring up Blake Snell at every moment of every time when anybody is relieved. How many times did that backfire hilariously and impressively? Like how many times is there has there been a picture this postseason where it was like Zach Gallon cruising? You can't take him out. He's got a no-hitter. He is dominating yeah you need him he also is terrible third time through actually like they're just like salivating and this is also one of the most powerful lineups in the sport but you can't take them out you can't do it john smoltz will have a heart attack in the booth because he will have a conniption fit and like just go on the ground and spin around like the three stooges and then you leave them and then hit 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 game over Mm -hmm. but are we gonna hear about Zach Allen being left in to face the third time through the order to blow a must win game. That's a close game. No, but like, that's the annoying thing that I, I, I just, my, my point here is this postseason proved sort of definitively so many counter to the narrative of like mm-hmm. this third time through the order penalty. You can't take out a pitcher that like kind of ruins the, the, the flow so many times the pitcher that was cruising quickly, quickly stopped cruising to the point of giving up runs and hits. And all I care about here is not that it's this one situation was right. This one situation was wrong because that's the thing with the sport is you are playing the numbers and you can yeah. still be wrong. You can right. be, have the right process and have the wrong results. All I want people to get is just offer the potential that maybe it's a fine choice yeah. to, to, to pull them. Like just offer that. Like if you don't pull Blake Snell, it also could lose. Like the mm-hmm. end result could be the exact same. And it's not, I guarantee you hundred percent. If you leave him in, he never stops dominating because that's how it's basically been right. is that this answer is right. And the stat nerds are wrong yeah. when it's the results are much more, on the stat nerd side, but the key is it's not saying you're always right. It's saying that there is an opportunity to be wrong. You just accept that because we saw about seven examples. Mm-hmm. So, and we, we see this in in baseball and in, in football right now mm-hmm. with going forward on fourth down, not punting as much. Um, coaches making decisions that the the. The numbers show punting it is a bigger gamble than than going for it. Um, yes, and in certain I just situations, feel, 
Yeah, right. Of course. And in that argument, I feel like only one side is arguing in good faith. The other side is just like, we're like the, 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 the stats nerds, right? Like just trying to win a game. We're trying to make the best decision to, to win a game. And yeah. every decision you make will change your probability of winning a game. But then the players have to play, like things have to play out. And a, and a manager or a head coach can only do so much. Um, and, and, and like, let's just have a conversation that like, yes, there is a choice to be made here. Um, we don't have to like go in the weeds on the Blake Snell stuff. Um, but I just, yeah, I completely hear your, hear you there and agree with you. It's it. I think good faith is a great, great point to make. It's it's, this is, and I think that would actually be some really interesting discussion points in baseball media. And I think baseball media is failing fans more than anything is, I mean, John Spoltz himself is just, it's a nightmare to listen to him. Uh, the man just hates the sport and we keep forcing him yeah. to watch it for like hours and hours every day. It's just a torture. Uh, I it, It's it's like, get a discussion going about like, should you pull Zach out? We're talking, it is a true debate, especially in this postseason because it came up with the Rangers and the Diamondbacks, two teams with bullpens that are not exactly great. Also, the Diamondbacks... They're very limited in terms of their starters. They only had about two good starters and the rest were pretty shaky. So it's like, how do you, how do you manage that? And I think there's a really interesting discussion to be, to be had. How many innings, how many with a rookie pitcher do you feel comfortable going until you're starting to gamble? Everything's a gamble. Taking them out is a gamble. Putting them in is a gamble. We, we talk about with relievers, you, you do a bullpen day you do like eight, you know, six, seven relievers. One guy could be off and then you're ruined. Yeah. Well, a starter could be good for four of those innings on the fifth inning. They're terrible. Mm -hmm. Like it's the yep. same sort of thing. And there is a really cool discussion to be had is where do you put your bet? Where do you place your odds? Where do you push it? Where do you pull back? It's not a yes or no guarantee. Like this wins, this doesn't. But the problem is one side is basically saying, this guarantees you a win. This doesn't. Well, in, in good faith, you're like, why would why would they want to do something that makes them lose? They clearly want to yeah. win too, and they're choosing this path. And maybe explore why, rather than obviously this is wrong. Right, I I agree with you. Yep. Um. So, World Series is over. That means the off season is well and truly underway. Uh, the Rays had a few players that were already uh, set to become free agents. Those players were Jake Diekman, Robert Stevenson, and Chris Devensky. Those were their major league free agents. I think they had a couple of minor league free agents as well. Uh, and then there were six players placed on outright waivers. Uh, Tristan Gray, Rymel Tapia. Um, we'll, I, let's just let's just talk about each one as we go, and we'll, we'll save the, the bigger two or three for the end. Uh, Tristan Gray... Got up in the big leagues this year. Had been in AAA for the last, I don't know, three or four seasons. He's a tr he's a AAA player. I hope he catches on somewhere else. Maybe even get some more big league opportunities. Um, but just didn't really make sense to keep him on the forty man roster. Good, good organizational depth. He, uh, I I'm glad the Rays kind of gave him a nice little opportunity to to come up to get that major league moment. He got a home run. Um, 
but yeah, no, I mean, he's good organizational depth, interesting, uh, batting profile, a lot of power, very low, yeah. uh, everything else. Um, but, uh, yeah, may, you know, we'll see, maybe he'll like catch on, but yeah, definitely a guy with the depth the Rays have, especially middle infield that, um, or second base, third base type of thing. Uh, not, not exactly the best organization for it, but there are teams that are thinner. So good luck to Tristan Gray. Yeah. Um, next one, Rymel Tapia, a guy who <laughs> like just ended up kind of sneaking his way onto the Rays <laughs> at the end, um, with Luke Rayleigh's injury. But, mm-hmm. um, I, the biggest reason is he's arbitration eligible. So you're not going to pay him millions of dollars to, be on the fringes of your he probably has no options left after that like i don't know like there's just can't imagine no good reason to keep him someone else can sign him and solid uh, major league vet bounces will bounce around he'd be available if an outfielder is hurt so yeah and and maybe that relationship is there where if the rays are in dire straits again outfield they sign him to another minor league deal or major league deal at some point um, I don't he's, think he's on the Billy Hamilton. Who's also now yeah. a free agent or something. He's on that Billy Hamilton track of like solid defensive outfielder, good speed. Uh, he'll always have a job, but it will never be lock. <laughs> It'll yeah. always be usually late in the end, but usually late in the season and somebody will pick him up for a potential like playoff depth or, you know, utility role. So. Yeah. Cole Sulcer is the next one. Um, had been a Ray before, uh, came back and never made an appearance this time around. I don't think. Nope, did not get used. Um, which I was kind of shocked by. I, I thought he might get some innings at the end, but I guess they just didn't like what they saw and wanted to get the some of those other uh, arms that are on the Durham shuttle um, some run. And so Cole Sulcer, uh, we hardly knew him. Um, who's next? Uh, Josh Fleming. An interesting one, Um, a guy that came up and had some very meaningful uh, time with the Rays, Um, some good, some bad, but um, ultimately a little sad to see him go. Um, I I don't know. I don't have any other thoughts about it, but he was was good for a time. This this is an interesting – it's an interesting cut. he's out of options. That's the biggest thing. And, and yeah. a pitcher, a fringe starter out of options is hard to stick around in the major league roster. Uh, Josh Fleming is always somebody who I think had more to give and a lot results based just did not work out, but there was always something a little bit enticing there. Um, definitely somebody who will be picked up by somebody else. Uh, I, he's going to kick around. Got a little hurt this year, which which definitely hurt him. Um, but he's he's an interesting you know pitcher. I mean, he's pitched 223 total innings uh, over his Rays career over the course of four years, and has been a solid major leaguer who's flashed better. He's had some really rough rough starts, um, but no options remaining. That's that's going to be hard to stick around for the Rays. Uh, but there's a lot of teams like he's somebody that I could see either joining a team like the Giants if they want to like try out again, like a good pitching development team or maybe the Brewers or go to a bad team where you can get innings. Um, and then maybe if you do well, you get a two good team. So um, Josh Fleming, interesting guy. Definitely. If he had an option remaining, I think he'd still be around, but out of options, Fringe starter. That's a that's a hard hard world to be in. 
yeah, it was definitely some a roster spot. You want to put someone a little more um, controllable and you can maybe play a different role on your team. Um, the other pitcher on the list, Jalen Beeks, um, just wasn't a spot for him. The Rays, I think, lost a lot of faith in Jalen Beeks this season, um, spent some time in the minor leagues, and he might have been our eligible if my memory is correct. Um, so yes. straight cheek, straight cheeks beaks is no longer a Tampa Bay Ray, but a guy who, uh, for <laughs> that was the, that was the native Aldi trade, right? The Rays got beaks in the Evaldi yes. trade, I believe. Yes. Um, so the native Aldi trade tree is dead. Um, but I mean, yeah, he was a reliever that stuck around for like four years. So what more can you ask? Two hundred and seventy-seven innings pitched total in his major with league the career. Uh, most of that with the Rays. Okay. He did pitch. Uh, he had six of those innings were with Boston. Um, but so he had uh, two hundred and seventy-one innings with the Rays, a four point three eight ERA, a three point nine eight FIP, and two wins above replacement with the Rays. So again, like very useful pitcher. For a, for a long while, this year was pretty rough uh, results-wise. He had some really good moments. Um, just, you know, out of options again. Like, just out of options and ARB eligible. Just not somebody that you're very replaceable. Yeah, agreed. And then the one, the, the biggest one that we need to talk about here, and I'm not necessarily shocked by it, but it is big news. And it is um, the first kind of domino to fall i think for the rays going into this off season and that was uh placing christian bethencourt on waivers um he was their number one i i don't like to use the word starting catcher because the rays for a long while except for like zanino's best year had like you just have two catchers and one plays a little bit more um so this yes. year it was bethencourt and mejia and now they're both gone so mejia had already become a minor league free agent and then um bethencourt it will i mean a team can claim him um, or if not, he'll become a free agent. Um, the writing was on the wall with Christian Bethencourt with Rene Pinto starting the two games in the AL wildcard round. And this is one I, I like, was I excited about Christian Bethencourt moving forward? I don't know. Good defense, a bat that was quickly declining as he entered his 30s. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, Christian Bethencourt is Mike Zunino all over. Like, it's incredible. Unbelievable, elite-level power and exit velocity um, when you made contact. <laughs> Didn't walk yeah. a lot, struck out a ton. Um, great defense, though. So, like, really good defense, uh, very valuable there, good veteran presence in, in the clubhouse, uh, great power when he could run into one. But that bat definitely was declining pretty sharply. His first year with the Rays had about 100 WRC plus. Early on in the season, was hitting really well, but it, it dropped like a stone. And I and and clearly the Rays did not see him as somebody that like they really needed going forward. Um, I think the defense is good, but like that bat, it's hard to it's hard to see it being. You can stomach a lot from a catcher, a good defensive catcher. Uh, we've seen it, you know, with Zunino. We've seen it with uh, Jose Molina. There is a high floor if you have that good defense. I think Bethencourt's somebody that 
they were just seeing that bat trend so poorly uh, that even then it's probably not worth keeping around. Uh, he is, I mean, there's very, catching is a very thin position in, in the sport. So Bethancourt, somebody who will be picked up by somebody at some point. Um, but this is not a bad area for the Rays to try to, I, I think Pinto showed enough. He's definitely going to need to improve a bit on defense, but I think Pinto showed enough to be at least a part of a catching rotation. Yeah. And so I guess the question is, what do the Rays do for that second position? Because there are, uh, you know, you could always go out and trade. I don't know who's going to be on the, the trade market for catchers. You've got Blake Hunt as an internal option. And he is like, uh, I don't know, maybe your last hopes of the Blake Snell trade uh, bearing any fruit. Um, you've still got Cole Wilcox bouncing around in the minor leagues. Cole but, Wilcox is always yeah. been a better prospect than Hunt, but yeah. Yeah, but Hunt was apparently one of the names that the Rays were really, like they said, we need him to be part of this package. It was Luis Patino and it was Blake Hunt and Francisco Mejia and Cole Wilcox were kind of like, you know, just kind of sweeteners, but the Rays really wanted Patino and they wanted Hunt and Hunt for the start of his career in the Rays organization was not looking good. The bat has started to kind of turn around in the minor leagues. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't read enough or, or if there are any reports out there about his defense and, and where that is, but he's going into his age 25 season. We know that catchers take a little bit longer to develop. Is that is like, we haven't seen him at all yet either. Um, I don't even know if he's been in like major league spring training games for the Rays. Maybe he has. I don't know. Or do they go? I don't pay attention and, too much to spring training, so <laughs> yeah. Or do they go out and I'm just looking at free agents. You've got Yasmani Grandal, Austin Hedges, Martin Maldonado, Mitch Garver, Kurt Casale, Victor Caratini, Tom Murphy, Gary mm-hmm. Sanchez is still out there. There are some interesting names. Yes. At, at what cost is that worth it? Or do you just give those second catcher innings to a prospect who maybe you do have some hope in? So Blake Hunt and uh, Alex Jackson are two names. To yes. Alex Jackson, who is somebody they traded for at the uh, deadline, former first round pick Alex Jackson, who, who has absolute prodigious power, just unbelievable power. Um, Defense has always been a little bit weaker. Blake Hunt better defensively. So if his bat can carry, then you actually do have a much better defensive catcher there. Um, I That's going to be an interesting question. I think there are some interesting vet options there, and you could kind of run it with like a Victor Carantini type uh, to, to pair with Pinto. And then you still have Hunt and Alex Jackson in AAA. And if Carantini is just like not that good, you can just cut, cut him loose or maybe a Tom Murphy who has a good bat, not a not great defensively, um, and has been hurt the last couple of years. Yasmani Grandal is abysmal defensively. Um, the bat also really struggled last year. Yeah. So hard if that's hard to see. Uh Mitch Garver is amazing, but he's just gonna get paid up the wazoo after yeah. that postseason performance. Um Gary Sanchez is one of the worst defensive catchers in baseball. History. Great power, though. Great power, um, but awful defensively. I, I think if you have a great power but awful defensively, the Rays are not even going to look at you. Like unless right. unless they think your bat is good enough to be a DH, yeah, um, there is no point in bringing in a catcher who can't catch. So yeah. I think I think 
average catching, great power. That's something they'd work with. They'll sacrifice some defense. They won't set, they won't punt defense for uh, Sal Perez or Yasmani Grandal or uh, uh, Gary Sanchez. So I think those guys are out. But I think like uh, Tom Murphy or Victor Carantini, Mitch Garver, I think those guys are all interesting options. Uh, and there's some interesting trade options there too, but I'm curious about the internal evaluations on guys like Hunt and Jackson. And I think the fact that the Rays were comfortable getting rid of uh, Mejia, they ended up keeping him like, because nobody else wanted him either. Uh, I think that maybe showcased that they would be okay with potentially pulling the trigger on a Blake Hunt if, you know, Bethancourt or Pinto got hurt to be a guy that could go into the rotation. So I I think that's an interesting, we'll we'll have to see. I, I would say, Catch is always a place to upgrade, but there's never a really easy option. Okay, so this is going to kind of transition us into the, the next part of the podcast. I So Bethancourt was projected to make like $2.3 million in arbitration. I think that was what MLB trade rumors put out. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to get a free agent catcher like, are they going to pay someone two or three million dollars to come in, or was this the first sign of them cu- cutting payroll? Uh, was this an easier, easy one to to do it on? Um, Mejia was gone, Bethancourt was gone, and so I think their combined salaries this year were a little over three million. And now you've got, you're down to Renee Pinto on the only on the forty man roster, and he's at you know seven hundred fifty thousand, and so between him and another rookie, you know, that's a million and a half dollars. I think that might be just an easy way to shave a couple million off the payroll. Um, if you end up getting someone you like, you revisit it, but it wouldn't shock me if they're going into this off season thinking Renee Pinto's catcher one, and then some combination of Alex Jackson and Blake Hunt are catcher two. I do worry about if that is the, the catching core of the floor of that position group. Um, Like I'm not sold on Pinto. I think the bat has some possibility. Um, And then obviously we know nothing about Blake hunt, but uh, like what he would do at the big league level, nor Alex Jackson. I think I'm more confident in the bat coming up and playing, Uh, but again, defensively. So I I think I'd like to see a catcher with some big league experience brought in, but I'm not going to hold my breath over it this off season. So it's interesting. I just kind of was running the numbers. The So the ARB eligible uh, projections from MLA trade rumors, Tapia was 2.4 mil. Uh, Beeks was 1.8 mil. Um, Bethancourt, 2.3 mil. Cole Sulcer, 900K. And Josh Fleming, 1 mil. So that would put it at right now, so far, savings of about 7.5 mil. Yeah uh from from the overall so projected total of 119 million minus 7.5 put it at basically uh 112 dollars so that 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 transitions into the question so we have two big questions for the off season Mm -hmm. and at 112 million projected opening day salary for the raise that would be the most they've ever run am i correct on that the most ever yeah i don't think they've ever broke 100 million so 
my biggest question for the offseason, and this is a question that we'll never be able to have an answer to uh, officially, but what is the payroll limit that Stuart Sternberg is giving Eric Neander and Peter Bendix? It's always a little flexible, but what is that limit? Is it uh, is 112 million okay? Is 100 million what they need to get to? Is it 80 million? Yeah. So what that limit is going to sort of determine how the Rays offseason goes or what they need to do, right? If if they're comfortable running 100 plus 100 million dollar payroll, then the question becomes do you trade some guys, maybe like a Marco to try to, or Harold Ramirez to then take that money you save there and then try to use that maybe for a veteran catcher, mm-hmm. like, like you're mentioning. Uh, or do you need to shed some payroll salary? And then how do you add with that? That's an interesting thing, like that we really won't know, but like that's the that's the question, right? Is we've already heard talk from from uh, you know, Tompkin about like, you know, Glasnow's name being off, you know, potential. And we had a, a really good article from uh, Danny Russell on the site about, you know, Tyler Glasnow, Brandon Lau, Randy Rosarena. Like these are the most, you know, expensive guys available on the, on the roster. Do you move them? How much salary do you need to shave? But also, again, keeping competitive. This is not a team that's going into a rebuild. They're not going to be retooling, really. It's more just what works going forward. And mm-hmm. and is this an opportunity to say, like, maybe there is some question about Tyler Glasnow's health mm-hmm. and availability, and that's an opportunity to take $25 million off the roster, but then maybe spend 10 or $15 million of that so you only save a net 10 but you then put that into other things. That's a that's an interesting question. Is what you return back for Tyler Glass now plus what you do with that salary and how much salary you need to cut? That's just what Stuart Sternberg knows, and that's what he's going to be offering to the team. I will say, it would be probably pretty good to not sla- have. Again, this is not on Eric Neander, and it's not on Peter Bendix. It's all on Stuart Sternberg and his bottom line. How much is he telling them? Because I, I'm pretty sure if Eric Neander could say like this is good we'll keep everybody plus add some he'd be like yeah sign me up for that uh but it's how much money is Stuart Sternberg comfortable paying on this roster he is asking quite a bit of taxpayer dollars for a new stadium so it might be a good idea to just like not go to product when you are kind of trying to in you know get goodwill from the people Mm -hmm. so maybe let's you know run a little higher payroll. I, I think, I think the, you know, your, your life will still be okay. I don't think you're going to have to, you know, cut out on anything. Uh, Stu, I think you're going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, as long as there's room for Shohei Otani, that's all I care about right now. And uh, Yoshi Yamamoto. So uh, those yeah, are the, both. I mean, we've already tried signing Yoshi once, so let's just go for it a second time. We just, you, you also can save time. You already have the first name. Yeah. You just a little white out, get the contract. It's perfect. If we can get uh, uh, Yamamoto for the same contract, if you can yeah, just make a copy, yeah. that's perfect. Go yeah. for it. 
Um, okay, well, let, let, let's talk about the glass now of it all because I, I think that is the one piece. Like, sure, I think you give Neander and Bendix truth serum. They they would love to trade Manuel Margot and Harold Ramirez sure. if they can move that that fourteen fifteen million dollars off the books with with those two guys. Yeah, they would love to, but those are going to be a little harder to move. They both have roles and they both provide value. I think Margot is more likely to stay because one, that guaranteed salary is higher. And that's not like the sunk cost fallacy. You don't keep him because he's making more, but because I think you'd rather just have him than eat that salary to for him to go play somewhere else. Uh, and you know what you're going to get as your, your, your fourth outfielder and your understudy center fielder uh, mm-hmm. out of Manuel Margot. Harold Ramirez, I am personally of the opinion, and I, I like. I know there's some Harold Ramirez truthers out there. I would rather see those DH at bats because that's all he is at this point. I'd rather see those go to Curtis Mead, Yandy Diaz. I'd like to see him off his feet a lot more in 2024, and then a, a number of other guys. Um, you know, maybe Aranda gets some more run at DH. I and just. I know Harold Ramirez, like he keeps putting up numbers inexplicably. Um, I just, I just think those, those DH at bats are going to be so valuable. And if you can, like, if you have to non-tender them, I just think saving that money, if that's what they want to do again, I would love for them to spend all the money, keep all the guys, but I would rather see those at bats saved. But that's okay. So that's a good question though. that I do want to bring up, or that's a good statement that you mentioned there. Love to, you know, money's no issue. You have to keep everybody. But here's the here is the thing, right? And I know people will jump on the Rays when they get rid of a Manuel Margot and a Harold Ramirez because they're like, they're giving rid of money. You do kind of, you are tapped out on roster spots. Right. No, so, right. So like- They're, they're so at that the bottom of the, your roster anyways. So that is the question though. It's like, okay, money-wise, getting rid of Manuel Margot and replacing him with, uh, or like getting rid of Harold Ramirez and replacing those at bats with Junior Caminero saves you money. It also might make you a better team. Yeah. And I think that is the key is that this team as assembled, I don't know if it is the best it can be. Now, I don't know if you, it, it, the question comes, it, can you improve on that? And then the real question is not, can how, where does Harold Ramirez's uh, production come from? And is it, does it come from 2024 Harold Ramirez? Because 2023 Harold Ramirez was a productive player, and that is a, a good amount of production to, to keep. But you don't necessarily assume that he's going to keep doing it the same way. He might, but maybe not. So I will say that I, even if payroll was no issue, I don't think the Rays should necessarily just roll it back with the exact same roster. Mm-hmm. So I do think moving some people around because you do have guys like Curtis Mead and Junior Caminero who kind of need a spot. Like they are good. They are good enough that you want to see them get major league reps because they're kind of being wasted in AAA. Even if it means you take a, a downgrade in the short term because you then, you you look at somebody like Josh Lowe who mm-hmm. came up, who, who you traded uh, Austin Meadows, obviously that trade has turned out to be brilliant because Isak Paredes is incredible. But like you trade Austin Meadows because you now open a spot for Josh Lowe. Right. Josh Lowe 
gets experience, shows some flashes, isn't great his first rookie year. This year, he takes a big leap and, and really takes that next step to being a star of making like really fringe all-star kind of guy that could have an all-star season or two in his career. Unbelievable speed, solid defense, really good bat, really made those steps. And now you have a guy that you want starting in your outfield uh, most of the time. That kind of comes to like, do you look at Curtis Mead and Junior Caminero in the same way and say, we got to get these guys major league at bats. Maybe it's not this year, but for the future, this becomes a guy you are starting every day. And yeah, money, no issue, but spot roster spots are the issue and they are pretty full in the outfield is a spot that you can up upgrade Manuel Margot, Luke Rayleigh, Josh Lowe, Jose Siri, Randy Rosarena. I don't know if you keep all of those people. The Rays in recent years, I think, and I, I know we said we're going to talk about Tyler Glasnow, and then we spent like five minutes talking about Harold Ramirez. We're, we're going to get there. Um, the Rays are really good at, in most years, I did take some issue in 2021 with the way they constructed their roster, but uh, or not in 2021, in 2022. Um with with like leaning on Josh Lowe and Taylor Walls and Vidal Bruhan and, and not really working out. Um but the like Josh Lowe, like letting him go through those growing pains paid dividends in 2023 when like you said he came back and he was a fringe all-star. I would like to see Curtis Mead, who was not good at the big league level this year. I don't think he's gonna be he wasn't terrible. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't terrible. I don't think he's going to be but, but, great next year, but you need him to see that big league pitching. You just have to make sure the rest of your lineup is good enough to produce enough runs to get you into the postseason. And I think the Rays are pretty good at that. We we are going to take a hit at certain positions to make sure that our young players get those at bats. Isak Paredes, they they kind of you know didn't they didn't rush him into it, and now he is the most valuable player on the position player side that they have he's 24 and looks to have an all-star caliber bat and he's got tons of years of team control like yes the way they they did that with Isak Paredes is perfect so I would like to see Curtis Mead Caminero is different because I think he's like going to be awesome pretty early on whenever they decide to bring him up full-time uh, which I'm not convinced will be opening day I actually don't think it will be but I'm not not convinced a trade or a move to just cut payroll, even if you get a quote unquote good return, would be to trade Brendan Lau or to trade Yandy Diaz or to trade Randy Rosarena. There are right. good returns out there for that, but that is clearly we are going to take a huge hit on production right away in, in hopes for future wins. Right. But we're also doing it to get their payroll off the books right now. Right. Trading Harold Ramirez and Manuel Margot, neither of those guys changed the outlook that much of your 2024 and your chances of getting to the postseason and the race front office have said, that's the goal. Just get to the dance. Exactly. You need to get to the dance because again, this, this world series sort of showed it. You get there, you get hot, you win the world series. Yeah. Like and, it, and that, you don't need to win. I mean, it's nice if you can win the regular season, but it's most much more important to win over the course of three weeks than it is over the course of six months. Yeah, and that brings me to Tyler Glass now, who has got one year left on his contract. He signed an extension, making $25 million, which would be the highest salary in franchise history. And again, I'd love to say that $25 million, ah, that's nothing for the Rays, right? We're, we'd love to have Tyler Glass now back. In fact, we're working on another extension with him. 
because I think that's something that Glass now would like, but he'd also like to be paid fairly. And $25 million, once he gets the open market, that might be what he's worth like statistically, but that's not going to be fair market value for a pitcher of Tyler Glasnow's caliber as long as he has a healthy season. So the debate is, and, and he's been mentioned by Mark Topkin, as I think Mark Topkin wrote something along the lines of the most likely scenario is for Tyler Glasnow to be traded. And Danny wrote an article about you know, why this is happening. Is this a cost-cutting measure? Because your baseball team is better with Tyler Glass now on it. He's very good. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm kind of in the boat where it might make good financial sense for Stu Sternberg and the Rays. And it might not it might make good baseball sense for them to move on from Tyler Glass now. And, and I love Tyler Glass now. But he's got one year left. He's never thrown 120 innings in a big league season. Or last year was the first time. Oh, he sorry. Reached, and he, <laughs> he reached it on the dot at exactly okay. 120. 100, never thrown more than that. And, and my take on the pitching staff, and this is, I think, where I fall on the baseball sense side. I think your pitching staff, if you add, you have to add, like if, if Glass now leaves, you'll have to add one more free agent or trade. It doesn't have to be a big name item, but you're going to have to add some depth. Yeah. That pitching staff is good enough to get you back to the postseason, led by Zach Eflin, and then eventually you'll add uh, Jeffrey Springs and maybe Drew Rasmussen, and, and you have another year of Taj Bradley, and Shane Boz is exciting, mm-hmm. and you've got Zach Littell. That pitching staff, like that rotation is good enough to and get Aaron you back to the Aaron Savali. Aaron Savali. Oh, sorry. Aaron Savali as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, like losing glass now, does it hurt your chances of getting to the postseason? Yeah, probably like incrementally. But he's a pitcher on an expiring deal. I imagine there will be some suitors out there that would love Tyler Glass now. And that $25 million isn't all that much for them. I'm looking at the Dodgers. Not for one year. Yeah. No, I'm looking at the Dodgers, right? Like that seems like a, a club that would love to have Tyler Glass now. And I mean, you, or you let him walk, right? You you pitch him this year. You could try to trade him again in the, in the, in the summer. But if you're contending, you're not going to do that. Yeah. And then he just walks and you get a draft pick. How valuable is that draft pick? I don't know. This is kind of, I guess, my my raise your voice segment. I'm definitely not like arguing to trade Tyler Glass now. I'm just saying it might make sense. I don't think it's blasphemy to consider trading Tyler Glass now at this junction. Juncture. I I agree. I agree 100 percent with what you said. I I think the key here. And, I, and I've made this argument quite a few times, I think on, on this show, but also online, is people were very quick to assume Tyler Glass now definitely traded this offseason. 100%. No chance he's he's capped. And my argument was, it is definitely not 100%. Because the Rays have made those one-year, 20, 25, $30 million offers to players, like Bryce Harper. They've made those offers... Like they've they've made an offer to Freddie Freeman. They've made like that was apparently the same or more than than the Dodgers offer. So they've made big money offers to big money players, but usually on shorter term deals. So a one year twenty five million dollar deal to Tyler Glass now, who's a pitcher that you can actually keep at that level, I think is something that they absolutely could do. Stern, Stuart Sternberg has said, whether he's telling the truth or not, that you will they will be okay going above if it's short term for the right player. But, but 
I will say there is good arguments to be made baseball wise that maybe Tyler Glass now the player at age 30 is not is not, not the one you want to do that for. Darby, I've I've got to interrupt with some breaking news. Peter Bendix is the leading candidate to be the Miami Marlins new head of baseball operations. Fascinating. Yeah. And I'm really happy for him. Very, very happy for him. Uh, that's very, that's even more confusing from Miami's point of view with their offseason. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, so Ken Rosenthal uh, has reported that. Um, and he has followed that up saying Bendix, Bendix has informed Ray Staffers he will be leaving the organization for the Marlins. So sounds like a done deal. Um, breaking news on the podcast. Um, man, okay. Well, I mean, it doesn't like, like I, I, talking about this from a Ray's lens. Um, I mean, he was second in charge um, behind Eric Neander. So we did, we did talk about earlier how things have changed in the Peter Bendix era and the the way uh, things have been run, but um, yeah, does does this change anything for the for the Rays? Like obviously the Marlins. That's they, we talked about how they've been a mess, but what does this do anything different for the Rays? Um, I don't think it changes their outlook that much at, at all. I think the Rays front office is the well-oiled machine and and again Eric Neander is the is in that executive job. He is the final voice for baseball operations and I'm sure there's going to be some internal candidates that can that that you know that's how the Rays have done it is as people leave you promote and you have these people. What's wild, I think what will that will be kind of wild is that Peter Bendix, I mean what a what a career with the Rays. Uh, uh somebody who um friend of D-Ray's Bay who commented on many an article at D-Ray's Bay yeah, uh, and a writer uh, for Baseball Prospectus. Um, so he's one of us baseball nerds that, that, that made uh, that made good. Um, but he's been with the organization for over a decade. Uh, he's been with them for, for a long time, kind of working his way up. So it's, I'm really excited about it for him, right? Because you get to run the the actual club. You get to run. So so the Rays run Florida. Florida baseball is that's true. Is the Rays? Does Peter Bendix want Tyler Glass now? Sandy Alcantara yeah, I mean, he might got under surgery. There maybe there's a deal to be had here. Um, no, that's 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 a that's fun breaking news. Honestly, I I think that's much more. I'll say this: this is much more exciting for Peter Bendix. Then it yeah. is a bad thing for the Rays. Right. I it's agree. not helping a division rival. Uh, it's not helping anybody in the American League. I don't know the last and, time someone went to the division rival. It might not have helped them either. So, well, and <laughs> Peter Bendix well, to the Yankees. <laughs> I mean, if, if you have bad ownership, you got bad ownership. What can you do? Um, you know, I, it's one of those things where who knows? You could even. Heim Bloom could come back for a little bit, hang yeah. out. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I guess this is much more. Is, do they do they hire a GM like right now? I don't know. Do they? I would imagine. So I would imagine the Rays, who have one of the biggest front offices and, and analytics teams uh, in in the sport. I think the last time I counted, it was like over like thirty six people just with 
uh, baseball analyst uh, or analytics in their title. Um, but that rises to almost 70 when it comes to like advanced uh, scouting yeah. and things like that. Uh, I would imagine you see promotion from within. Uh, so somebody like Carlos Rodriguez, who's been, who's one of the assistant general managers, he has been, I feel like, floated around for some jobs. I could see him just being promoted. I, I think the way the Rays work, it's happened with Eric Neander. It, it's happened with Peter Bendix when, when Heim left is you work, you work your way up. And if you were doing a good job, you're part of that brain trust everybody rises. So somebody gets an uh, upper grade and somebody else then gets promoted to within that, that sort of thing. And that's, that's yeah. the really how brain drains happen in front offices is you have a great front office filled with talent and somebody else is going to notice that. Uh, so I, I'll just say Carlos Rodriguez is going to be the next senior vice president of baseball operations slash general manager. Yeah. That makes the and most then somebody sense. will be promoted into Carlos's position. And, um, and knowing nothing, it, like and then like Cole Figueroa will be the the new Carlos Rodriguez or something. I don't know. I think that's just how the Rays work is that they just they just promote and and I think it's worked well, right? As you keep the same voices, the same knowledge, adding in from the outside is not a terrible idea. But like the only person from the outside that I could see coming in would be somebody like Heim, and I I just I feel like that's a weird. That's a little weird to then go back to your old job after being fired as a higher level job. Um, but it's also, you know, still friendly with obviously Eric and 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 the team. So but good for good for Peter. I mean, honestly, yeah. that's that's awesome. Peter Benz is a really good guy, really nice, uh really smart baseball person. Um, I will I just I do I, raise your voice, I, alum. I, Raise your voice, alum. Yes, exactly. Friend of friend of the show, friend of the site, long time, yeah. long time. Uh, I, I will, I will say, like, again, this is not have this has nothing to do with Peter Bendix. I, I I'm very happy for him. Miami, very. I'm very curious as to what's going on with there because clearly, Kim Ang and and the team did not see eye to eye, and it's very yeah. strange to hire somebody with less major league experience than Kim Ang for the executive position while not offering it to her, but like mm -hmm. saying that she could stay in the organization. So like clearly you would never like, it would be insulting to hire Peter Bendix to be your boss when yeah. you were running this team. Right. No, hundred percent. And so maybe some more insight into that. Ken Rosenthal has put out another tweet in Peter Bendix, quote, this is from Ken Rosenthal, yeah. In Peter Bendix, Marlins owner Bruce Sherman gets what he wanted, a new head of baseball operations with roots in the Rays organization. That is in the tweet from, from Ken Rosenthal. Former Red Sox lead exec Heim Bloom was an early target, but declined to make himself a candidate, sources tell The Athletic. So sounds like Bruce Sherman just wanted to hire someone from the Rays. And I guess that is what, you know, he wanted Heim Bloom, maybe saw an opportunity there. Next best thing is, is, is Peter Bendix. Like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Um, I, I hope like Bendix is walking into a good situation. And I think Kim Ang has built a really good foundation there for someone to come in and succeed. I wonder, uh, I, that's a very interesting 
that's a very interesting like statement. Um, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Everybody loves the Rays. But what about the Rays do you love? Right. What about the Rays do you love? Do you well, love it, that they're innovative <laughs> and on the cutting edge? And you didn't like that Kim was more traditional in her development? Or do you love that they do what they do for so cheap? Because right, that's not right. what the Rays are good at. I need to find someone to do that. who can, I can spend less money and we can win more. Go, let's go to the race <laughs> because that's what that's what Boston decided to do with Heim Bloom. And <laughs> here's the thing much better, I will say, Peter Bendix, much better choice to go to Miami where Dan Lebertard is going to be your hardest uh interview. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, nobody, nobody, nobody in Miami gives a crap about the Marlins. Uh, so, so much not the fans, I'm saying, but like the sports media that is a Dolphins town. Uh, and then occasionally the heat, I guess, but like mostly just the dolphins is gets the attention of that sports media and the Miami Herald. Um, so a much better environment than a, the toxic Boston media, right. which will eagerly eat you alive, especially when your owner sets you up to be like, Hey, first day. Great. There's your office. By the way, trade Mookie Betts, the, the best player on the team and face of the franchise. Like, I haven't even finished my cybersecurity training. <laughs> doesn't matter it, that they probably have a thing that says if somebody tells you in an email to, to to fire to get rid of your best player that's probably a chinese fishing scam yeah it was so fishing. we're just gonna, yeah, we're just gonna the, tell you that's how the dodgers right pulled off the mookie Betts trade Time yeah, yeah it was just a fishing scam uh for for this oh, for alex for jeter downs <laughs> and plus jeter downs nah, plus you can keep Bruce all <laughs> don't need him what about what about this guy? Yeah, that throws 105. Nah. <laughs> okay, well, we'll just keep him then, I guess. That's cool. We that's how did we get how did we get the two best pieces of this deal? <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, why do you keep giving us stuff? Um, um I, I want to touch on Carlos Rodriguez. I want to touch on because I think yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. I th I think he makes the most logical sense. And I, I, I will say I know more about him than the other two VPs, which are Will Cousins and Shonda Laddermilk. Um, but I do know that Carlos Rodriguez basically has run um, the Rays like international free agent talent identification and, and signing players like for over a decade. Like he has been was a, was a scout down there was has played a huge role in signing like all of the top international free agents, um, and and so I think the Rays have always in the. I don't know the the modern era of the Rays. Like they don't draft really well. Um, they're really good at signing amazing international free agents and then um, identifying talent early on in their professional careers and then acquiring them via trade. So Rodriguez, I think, is a guy with a huge track record of talent identification, and um, I would be all for him being GM and kind of taking on a bigger role within the organization. Absolutely, and I think. Um, when it comes to even in their directories, so so I said Carlos Rodriguez because there's three uh, assistant general managers, but with Will Cousins and Chanda Laudermilk, both of their job descriptions are much more in. Um, so Will Cousins is more in development, uh, research and development, and uh, Chanda is much more in um, kind of staff and yeah. uh, staffing and whatnot. And whereas Carlos Rodriguez is basically Peter Bendix, Eric Neander, and, and Carlos as like the three head 
kind of thing. And that was sort of what Peter Bendix's job was when Hein Bloom was the general manager and Eric Neander was the uh, the lead. And when Eric Neander and Hein Bloom were there and Andrew Friedman was the lead. So this is that that is the chain, right? Is there is a sort of when Peter Bendix and Carlos Rodriguez were in the lower level below the table, then they get to the to the table. So yeah, very I I I would be honestly shocked if it wasn't Carlos Rodriguez. I like flat out. I know people are gonna talk about time. I I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be Carlson. I think that's a really good choice. And like you mentioned, the international free agency, that is, I think, again, the draft is really important. The, 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 um, kind of the, the, uh, actual, you know, the, the draft, not the international free agency, but international free agency is sort of how like teams like can really identify, like, how good are you as a, as a front office? How good is your scouting? Because you get to actually allocate resources towards, talent you get to identify talent and allocate resources the draft is very much you kind of have to do that but then also just have luck that a player falls and then you kind of well this guy fails so now i have to move it to this way that that's a much weirder sense there's a little bit more luck involved whereas the international free agency you really do get to like flex on like mm-hmm. this is who we want to send our money to this is we want to spread this around and they have been incredibly successful like that that is the thing that I would say like sets the Rays apart from a lot of teams is their international level is just incredible. Um, yeah, very, in- very interesting. I will say with Miami, I- I'm almost certain their their thinking is we really want to go cheap. Um, yeah, so Peter, well, that's kind of always been the Marlins. Good luck. You know. Good luck. And, um, you know, it's the last two GMs we've had on the podcast. So Carlos Rodriguez, we, we mentioned your name now. Welcome. Welcome. If if you are named GM, uh, I think you, we need to know where the first stop on the media tour. With, within is. within two years, you're then running an entire organization. Yeah, no the the D Rays Bay bump is also a real thing. Clearly. It's huge. It's huge. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't even know who the owner of the Marlins is right now, but they clearly are a fan. So yeah, <laughs> he, he listened. J- Jazz uh, Chisholm, Jazz Chisholm for Tyler Glass now. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, well, there, the, the Peter Bendix news kind of hijacked the podcast at the end, but that was a good discussion overall, and that yes. means yeah. there's more for us to talk about next week. Hopefully, we get to more regularly scheduled programming as we get into the offseason, and, and I don't know, maybe, like, there's some roster space right now, so maybe there's a trade or a waiver claim coming up. Like, I I, I don't know. I'm really weird about it. Like, the baseball offseason, obviously, I watch. I like watching games more than anything, um, but, man, baseball offseason, it, it, it's awesome. Every day, there's something new. Something crazy. And it starts right away. Yeah. It starts right away. All right. Um, well, yeah. that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Um, some fun breaking news that Darby and I got to break down on top of some other things. So um, thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure to head on over to theraisebay.com to check out all that great off-season coverage, which I'm sure there will be much of, including news about Peter Bendix leaving the organization for the Miami Marlins. If you like what we do, make sure to subscribe, follow, whatever your preferred podcast platform is so that every new episode of Raise Your Voice is downloaded directly to your device. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you next week.